Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Isaac, joined by Greg Barnes and Ross Martin. You're listening to the Inside Carolina podcast. Guys, this is our weekly show. We're doing it on a Monday night. We're actually doing it on early on a Monday evening because there's some football game going on a little bit later. wanted to record this earlier so we all could check that out. I'll start with you, Greg. North Carolina State, North Carolina, tomorrow night, Tuesday night. At PNC, I almost said Reynolds because I think Reynolds was pretty awesome. But I think, and this is my thought on this ball game in a nutshell, I think this game will tell a lot about North Carolina and NC State going forward this season. Yeah, NC State, to your initial point, they would much prefer this game being played at Reynolds. Um, Carolina's 19-4. and four. At PNC Arena, they're fifteen and four against the Wolfpack at PNC Arena. Um, Steve Kershaw found some random stat, and it's a great stat. It's North Carolina has won thirteen times at PNC Arena under Roy Williams. So since the o three o four season, State's won thirteen times in Chapel Hill since nineteen fifty four. So just the the dominance the Carolinas had uh, in, in West Raleigh has been been impressive over the years. Having said all that, this is a little bit different NC State team. Um, They're thus far better than what I think a lot of us expected them to be with some of their losses. Although, you know, prior to Pitt, a lot of people were saying, hey, is this Pitt team legit under Jeff Capel? And when you started kind of looking at the numbers, you'd say, yeah, I don't know. Their strength of schedule is pretty weak. State, the strength of schedule currently is 350th. Mm. There's what, 351 teams? Uh, so, you know, they lost to Wisconsin, one of the legitimate teams that they played, and then they were able to beat Auburn at home back before Christmas, which, you know, Auburn, of course, is a good team. Um, and then, you know, Miami's, you know, kind of a middling ACC program at the, this point in time. That's really the only quality games that they've played. Uh, and so we'll learn a lot about the pack. But I think the fact that uh, Kevin Keats, you know, currently is pretty much playing a, a four-guard lineup, essentially what it is. Uh, I think that probably benefits North Carolina. Um, But, you know, we'll have to see how much Roy Williams wants to go with uh, that small lineup. But all that to be said, this is one of those games where we can talk about the the details, and we will. But if Carolina does not come out and wants this game more, or at least as much as NC State, they will not win over there. Uh, We know North Carolina's feelings towards NC State. We know Roy Williams' feelings toward NC State. So there's no doubt these guys will be ready to go, you would think. And at that point in time, it's just a matter of making sure you execute. And if that happens, Carolina should be able to win this game. Uh, but with what NC State likes to do, you know, North Carolina is going to have to execute. Ross, Greg got into it there. And it's one reason why North Carolina usually plays so well against NC State, or at least plays with a lot of intensity, is because Roy Williams just doesn't like NC State. He's not alone, uh, but it's rare that you have a team that has a head coach that despises another team, a local rival, as much as Roy does. That being said, NC State is ranked, and this is another one of those stats that is unbelievable to me. It's the first time they've played as two ranked teams since February twenty second, 2006. NC State's got a lot to play for, Ross, 
Um, but Roy Williams certainly will have his team ready as they head into Raleigh. Yeah, I and mean, that's one thing I guess you've got you've, you've got to love about Roy is how prepared and how much he gets up personally for the state game. Um, it's it's not a game they're going to overlook. And then I think the fact that they're ranked is going to is definitely puts a little more national emphasis and local emphasis on this game. It, it is a big game for both programs. Um, like you said, the open. I think we'll learn a lot about how really if, if the state team is good and then another test for UNC, we can kind of further understand if this UNC team is, can be, you know, a top 10 elite eight type team, or if they're going to be, if they lose, you know, it might be kind of more of, of leaning towards, all right, we kind of know what this team is. They're going to struggle at times. So I think it's a, it's a great early test. I think, Certainly, State has not been tested as much as UNC, and UNC has played in, I think, Michigan mostly, and, and Wofford, Elon as well, the kind of tougher road challenges, which gives them a little bit of edge, I think, uh, on the road environment. But yeah, I think if State kind of stays around in the first half and that crowd's into it, you know, that's going to be a little bit of trouble for the Tar Heels, but uh, you've got to kind of like the experience of Luke May, Kenny Williams, and, and Cameron Johnson in a, a very hostile environment. Um, Luke May kind of alluded to some of the stuff that the fan base can say there. Uh, it's going to be a little bit different for the freshmen um, with those fans right there on the court. Um, but also like your Cameron Johnson and Luke May have been very, very consistent uh, throughout the season and, and most of the games and, I think that will continue, and that is kind of a solid stabilizing force for this team. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to kind of see how both teams handle this level of game this early in the ACC slate. Greg, Ross talks about the atmosphere, and it's been a while since I've covered ball games for Inside Carolina, uh, but I was at the last game at Reynolds and the first game in PNC for North Carolina, North Carolina State, and it was uh, hectic to say the least. I think it was uh, Leaky Black after the Pittsburgh game said, you know, he was caught off guard or something to the effect of they were saying a lot of bad things. Uh, Greg, he has no idea what's coming in Raleigh (laughs) at 9 o'clock or before as soon as they step on the court over in PNC. No, it certainly does not. And I guess one of the – one of the the shames of how the ACC expansion has played out is that uh, we no longer go to to Maryland and Maryland used to be able to rival NC state uh, with their vitriol and probably top them at times, especially when they were good, but now we don't have Maryland. So it kind of falls to NC state to carry that banner. Uh, But yeah, I I think the fact that, yeah, you have the students kind of around, it, it almost seems like just in recent years, and this has probably been going on for a long time, but it's the older fans that have so much pent up hostility with how this rivalry has gone in basketball. Uh, those are the people that just get uh, fired up. Um, and those are the ones that, that lob the insults and all these kind of things, which is kind of wild. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a crazy environment and it doesn't matter if North Carolina comes out on a 10 run or anything like that. As soon as state makes some kind of run or has some kind of success, that place will explode. And that's what happened at Pitt on Saturday. Um, and I, I wrote about that, that, hey, this is, a, this is a good first test for UNC. Even though Pitt's not a great team, that's not a team that's going to contend for an NCAA tournament berth. But as soon as Pitt went on that early run to tie it at 8-8, that place was loud. It was really loud. 
And that's kind of where I think Leaky and Nas and, and Kobe were like, whoa, okay, this is this is a different level. Um, and so that's that's a benefit because coming into this game, yes, they don't really know what what's going to happen, but they do have a taste of ACC play. So now it's just a matter of ramping it up a notch. Um, and then, of course, you later on you'll, you'll get to go to Cameron, and that's a different animal as well. Uh, but yeah, it'll be a, a, a hateful environment for sure. And it's one of those where if North Carolina can just withstand that initial uh, fury by the fan base, because it's coming at some point in that first half, it's coming. But you can endure that and kind of get past it. Then you can just play basketball and, and kind of go from there. To, to piggyback off that real quick, Tommy, uh, the game last year, I was sitting courtside and an, an adult fan, probably in his 40s, got thrown out of the game for, for yelling. Or I think he almost like – I think he made contact with – Kenny, UNC, maybe, right? Yeah, UNC was player. It Brandon, it was Brandon Robinson. Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's it was right. Brandon. It was Brandon. It was, yeah. it was kind of a weird exchange. It didn't seem like intentional, but yeah, he was thrown out of the game, and it was like your classic state fan. He was sipping on some drink, and he had that <laughs> state fan look, and he got thrown out of the game. He was just talking, talking junk there, right on the sideline, and you know that that memory. Uh, I remember that when when kind of Greg brought brought up the uh, the adult fan base that is. Very rabid, and, and they hate Carolina, as everyone at, at UNC knows. And they'd much rather see UNC fail than state win. And that's always been my uh, my take on a lot of UNC fans or a lot of state fans. Ross, I'm gonna lob this. I'm gonna give you the softball since you brought it up. <laughs> what is the look of an NC State fan? <laughs> oh man, it's gonna be some trouble here. So um, the, the opinions expressed are the each individual person's. I mean, it's uh, you know, you have that that kind of like that fishing hat on, you know, a lot of the uh, kind of trucker <laughs> fisher hat. Uh, you got yeah, and this kind of this is a, a southern look in general. You know, you got the they're not definitely not wearing skinny jeans. Um, they've got uh, sometimes they have like <laughs> no you know, nice, Yeah, no, they're wearing boots. Um, you know, looser fit blue jeans. Sometimes they have a nice like game day polo on. Um, and it kind of runs the gamut from. From very, um, I'll say, uh, very, very southern country esque, and then you have more of the preppy state fans. But it kind of runs that gamut. But it's definitely a, a mix from the over seventy, over eighty crowd of UNC fans and Argyle sweaters sitting courtside in the Dean Dome. It's a very distinct difference in the type of uh, fan, and then that translates to what they say to you. <laughs> Are you covering tomorrow? Yeah, I'll be there. Oh, That's okay. well done. That's well done, Ross. I'm impressed. Uh, maybe I hope folks listening on the other side didn't understand what you're talking about for your sake. Oh, pretty um, safe. Uh, Greg, you mentioned, or we mentioned folks getting thrown out. Corciani and Gugliata, Gugliata got tossed a few years back. So my ideal officiating crew for this game, just for giggles, would be uh, Carl Hess, Ted Valentine and Jamie Lucky. Whew. I don't know, Greg, if anybody would make it out of that building alive. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> Let's take a short break. We'll leave it at that. We'll, we'll judge not, and we'll talk about the ball game when I come back from break. All right, let's look at this matchup on the court. Uh, Ross, I'll come to you first with Sterling Manley being out. You posted it, Roy Williams said it at his press conference on Monday. 
I think it may be a long-term thing, just a hunch, no actual knowledge. But either way, he's not playing against NC State. And given the fact that State does play a four guards majority of the time, I think Sterling Manley being out means more Nas Little, more Leaky Black, more B-Rob maybe. Um, your thoughts on how Carolina approaches it without Manley? Yeah, I think you. I think you're kind of right. I think this might be a, a long term thing, and it, it may be a you know close to season ending thing if they don't want to you know, hurt, you know, have have more damage to that knee. Who knows? But it definitely seems like it's going to be weeks, not days, for his return. Um, yeah, you, you expect Nas to play a lot more. I think he was one of the first guys off the bench in the last two games. Um, we even saw. Walker Miller in the first half against Pittsburgh, which was very odd to see as, as he rarely plays valuable minutes um, this, this thus far in his UNC career. And I think, and Leaky Black as well, I think it's going to be kind of a, a good thing for UNC, especially for those two freshmen, Leaky and Nasir, getting more minutes, getting more valuable minutes. And you're seeing, and I'm going to write on this uh, tomorrow morning, hopefully, and you're going to see Nasir, I think you're seeing him becoming a little more comfortable Luke May spoke on that kind of you get more minutes. You just you feel like you're out there more and playing more and playing without thinking about being pulled out. Uh, I think one thing I would say about Roy's coaching is the fact that he pulls people if they mess up. Um, I don't know if that's the best way to approach some of these younger guys. Like if you don't do one thing correctly, he'll yank you out. And I know players have mentioned that in the past that it, it does kind of mess with your confidence. And so maybe the assurance that. You know, you have to play Nasir more because he is one of the bigger guys on the floor now, can help him. Uh, I think against some of these smaller teams like NC State, he can really flourish being that quicker guy. And you just want to – you'd like, as a as a fan and a, and a covering a really good player, you want to see him do well and, and have success offensively. And as he gets more game experience, he'll be better defensively. But, you know, Manley's a big body, and they're going to miss that at times as well. But I think the silver lining is more minutes for guys that need more minutes to really advance their playing. And this could come um, and become more valuable later down the road this season when they need uh, some some time from Nasir and Leakey and Brand Robinson to a lesser extent. Greg, your thoughts on a guy like Leakey getting more minutes? Now there are only two hundred minutes to go <clears throat> to go around, uh, but he certainly has played. I, I think I saw somebody post. I'm not sure if it was one of you guys or somebody else post. Um, or maybe Dewey, not sure about practice, what's going on in practice, but in games he appears to earn more and more minutes. I think he probably has done that. The question is, will he get those minutes? I think with Manley being down for an extended period of time and uh, Brooks's propensity to get some cheap early fouls may lead to, you know, we've talked Nas, but more black as well. Yeah, and we can't forget Brendan Robinson either. Uh, B-Rob's been playing well the last couple games. And I think him and Leakey had about the same amount of minutes against Pittsburgh, about 15 or so. Um, and so those are you know, those are two guys that, that Roy's comfortable with. And I think with, with Robinson, some people may be saying, well, you know, why would you play him over Leakey, for example? Well, you know, Brendan's been in the program for three years now. And so he knows what Roy wants. Roy, Roy said he can trust Brandon. Uh, and there's a lot to be said for that, especially when you get into ACC play. Um, and if Brandon keeps playing like he did against Pittsburgh, then you you have to feel comfortable with him being in that role, especially when you have to use Nas and Cam at the four. Um, so I think I think Leakey's a good option for sure. I mean, he looks the part. 
Uh, he's very articulate. I, mean, I, I like talking to the kid. That bodes well for the future in terms of how he can be a senior and those types of things. And I mean, it's a leader. Um, and I, I think you know, he's got a bright future ahead of him. And so having him and Robinson available is key. I will say, though, uh, both of these teams are capable of playing a lot of players. And I think that's really going to be the matchup to watch because you, know, Roy Williams, we know what he wants to do, right? If he could have it his way, he would have a, you know, a true five in there. Luke would play a stretch four and North Carolina would go about their merry way. Uh, and we know that maybe that's not their best lineup, but Garrison Brooks has been playing very well. He's, he's not some elite offensive talent, but he is efficient. And so I really think what you will probably see in this game uh, is that Roy's going to lean on that Brooks and May uh, lineup in the, in the post early. And if they can establish some setup, some type of um, uh, advantage down there and maybe get uh, you know, Wyatt Walker, or the Thunderbird kid in foul trouble early, you may see a lot of that big lineup because State may not be able to match up with them. I mean, we, we talk about athletic bigs giving UNC fits. You know, White Walker's not a guy that you look at and say, all right, this guy's going to jump out of the gym, right? He's the kind of guy that, that Brooks should be able to handle, and that frees up Luke May to do different things. Now, on the flip side, of course, you'd have to put Luke May on a, a 6-5 wing, which is a challenge for, for a variety of reasons. But then you're saying, okay, well, can he – can he make the advantage in his favor on the offensive end? And so that's really the chess match is can North Carolina force Kevin Keats to go away from that four-guard lineup and really rely on two bigs, which probably is not what he wants to do and probably plays in North Carolina's favor? Or is State going to have so much success uh, with that, that four position that North Carolina has to say, you know what, we're going to have to go small? Um, and so that, that's the dynamic that's going to be very interesting to watch. But I think if, if Brooks and May are on the court together a lot in this game, that very likely means that North Carolina's having a lot of success. So I'll ask you about the matchup, Ross, with Kobe White and Kenny Williams at the guard positions for North Carolina. Now, NC State, if you go to their game notes, they don't have Markel Johnson as a starter. But if you look deeper into that, Marco Johnson has scored the most, led the scoring in all of State's three biggest wins. So this is a game where Kobe White and Kenny Williams need to, A, score, but B, play some defense on NC State. I think they can handle Braxton Beverly, um, at least from the penetration standpoint. But speak to what you want to see from Williams and White on the defensive end, Ross. Yeah, I think Marco Johnson, I've watched a little bit of State. I think he can cause some issues. He's very quick, can get into the lane, and, and State has some shooters, I believe. Um, so limiting his penetration on the on the defensive end will be big for you. And see, he can also score and flourish as well. But looking at this, Ross, I mean, other than that, like I don't I don't know how, how much, you know, li- limiting that what he can do there is critical, and obviously playing great defense is great. Um, but looking at their roster, I was going to mention this earlier, I mean, nothing about the state team really scares me, which which makes me wonder if 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 you know they haven't really been tested yet. I don't know if Greg has a better take on the roster, but I mean, Torn Dorn, we've seen him. He's solid. He's a good player, but he's not going to come in and drop twenty five on you. Um, Marco Johnson is probably their best player overall in, in terms of importance to their team. 
But other than that, I mean, it, it, they don't have one guy who I think really st- – one or two guys that really stands out that scares you. Um, but they are playing well as a team, um, and they're playing hard for Kevin Keats, which is, which is notable and, and important to take away. But that would be my takeaway from this roster. I know that kind of avoids your question, um, but I do think Markel Johnson is the kind of the most important player for state and, and limiting what he could do offensively and, and keep him out of the lane and, and controlling what he does in, uh, in transition and as a ball handler will be key. Another note I wanted to say, uh, Huffman only played two minutes against Pitt, Greg, which was surprising. You were looking at mentioning his numbers, so I want to make sure we got that. No, does, that does that sound right, two minutes for Huffman against Pitt? Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think him and, him and him and Miller probably played about the same amount. Yeah, and uh, he, you know, the development phase is still ongoing for him, and I think it's, um, I think it's a matter of uh, you know him not doing the things necessarily you know, necessary first in practice against his own teammates, and if you don't do that, then you're not going to see a lot of playing time, and I think that's kind of the situation that he's in right now. But uh, Tommy with kind of what Ross is talking about here. I think the I think the issue for North Carolina is that you talk about Dorn, right? Well, Dorn's a guy that can drive to the basket, but he's also shooting 40% from three. Markel Johnson's shooting 50% from three. Uh, C.J. Bryce, who's another 6'5 guy, shooting 38% from three. Devin Daniels is only 31%, but he's a guy that can can penetrate as well. Um, so you're you're really in a situation where – if Markel Johnson is able to penetrate like he did last year, especially late in the game in Chapel Hill, that sets up North Carolina where they're going to have to help defensively, which is another reason you maybe want Garrison Brooks in the game. While he's not a rim protector, he's at least a big body in there. Um, because it opens up all those lanes to kick out for open three-point shots. And that's how NC State wins this game, right? They, they get into the lane, they kick out, if they can't get a layup, and they hit some big threes. That gets the crowd going, and you know, North Carolina maybe struggles in that regard. So you know, guarding the ball, guarding the ball screen, uh, those are the critical components. And we, we saw last year uh, where you know, North Carolina uh, did a lot of switching on screens late. There's some good videos on, online of, of some of the uh, Twitter analysts for that cover follow UNC. They've done a pretty good job breaking all that down. So North Carolina has to figure out, okay, well, how are we going to handle it this year? We know what Markel Johnson was able to do on uh, switch screens last year. So do we do we flat hedge? Do we hard hedge? Uh, do we double team off the screen? How, we, how, how do we want to handle it? And so that's part of the chess match as well. But I think that's where uh, there's some, some fear – well, not fear, but there's some concern is you know, Markel Johnson really is the engine that makes that team go. And if he is capable of kind of dictating what he wants to do, whether it be getting open looks or, or driving into the lane, uh, that's where the problems persist. And so you've got to do a good job with him. And that, again, you know, if you've got Kobe on him, we know Kobe is still learning that defensive role. Uh, and so there could be some breakdowns there. Yeah, and I, I really like Torn Dorn as a player. I, you know, it was tough for North Carolina fans to see him go to NC State given – the legacies at Carolina and Markel Johnson's a player and, you know, they've put up 28 and 27 this year already. And Greg, I'll stay with you on this talking about defense, NC state shooting over 50% on the year, 
I think Carolina's down at what 44 or so, but state shoots almost 54% in the second half. And I don't care who they're playing or who the competition is because they've beaten some good teams. Those are good offensive numbers. I just think North Carolina, I don't know if this North Carolina team is built like they have been in the past that could just outscore NC State without playing some lockdown defense. And that's why I mentioned Kenny Williams earlier. If He needs to break out of a shooting slump, but if he's not, he's got to be effective on the defensive end. And I'm not sure we've seen that too terribly much this season either. No, certainly not. And I think that's kind of the, the big thing is NC State is going to want to run with North Carolina. That's what Keats likes to do. And so they're going to want to get up and down, and that's where Carolina's had some issues at times is they've had some sloppy passes on the perimeter, which lead to easy transition buckets. State's going to have enough looks in the fast break where you don't want to gift them some of those miscues. And so you have to do a much better job taking care of the ball. Uh, but you also have to play solid defense, like you mentioned, because uh, to your point, Tommy, if you, if you look at the analytics, uh, State shooting 41% uh, from three as a team. That's top 10 in the country. And then Ken Palm has them at 58% shooting from two, which is, I think, 12th in the country. So offensively, they are very good. Uh, and so that's really where it, where it starts. Now, this could be one of those fantastic games where both teams hitting, and it turns into a track meet, and it's just a blast, right? I mean, last year, uh, Luke May kind of took over there in the second half, and that game was, what, 96, 89, I think? Yep. Uh, so th- those are fun to watch. But, again, that goes back to you've got to limit your miscues. You've got to make some good defensive plays. That doesn't mean you have to have you know, five defensive stops in a row, but you need to get a turnover here or there, and you need to make sure you get a stop. You know, Roy Williams talked earlier this year. There's, there's a couple ways to be a really good defensive team. There's two primary ways. One is you limit a team's field goal shooting percentage. I don't think this team is built and doesn't have the personnel to be one of those great teams that's going to hold the majority of his opponents below 40. We haven't seen it yet. I don't see that really improving. But they are very long. They are very athletic. And so that leads to the other way you can be a good defensive team, which is kind of getting your hands in the passing lanes, making some steals. And Carolina has done a pretty good job of that. And so I think that's really where North Carolina has to have success, maybe not necessarily locking down what NC State wants to do, uh, but but frustrating them just enough and creating some turnovers and turning those turnovers into points. Let's take our last break. We'll come back. We'll look ahead just a little bit. North Carolina, North Carolina State, 9 o'clock in PNC Tuesday night. All right, Ross, coming to you. Looking ahead, we mentioned a little bit in the early part of this show and certainly off the air. <clears throat> and for the folks that don't know what we do, um, <laughs> away from the open mic we're usually talking junk to each other or sending ridiculous slack messages um but at any rate ross carolina gets by nc state or even if they don't but if they do get by nc state on tuesday night the schedule is not smooth but it's certainly open for north carolina to have a very hot start yeah i think you know louisville is the is the next game on saturday uh, at home for UNC. I'm kind of going through the schedule now. Um, that's certainly a winnable game, especially at home for a Louisville team that's a little bit down, working in the new coach there. Notre Dame is is not, I think, not your normal Notre Dame team. Five losses already. Lost to Radford. 
uh, Oklahoma, a, a really bad UCLA team, which UNC handled my, uh, very easily, kind of lost by double digits to Virginia Tech. So I think uh, the Notre Dame, usually a very tough game for the Tar Heels with the, the injury to Rex Fluger, is going to be an easier matchup. Um, and not to get too far down the line, but, but then they have Virginia Tech at home. So the next three games, Notre Dame, uh, sorry, sorry. They have Louisville, Notre Dame, then Miami, then Virginia Tech, and Miami is, is god-awful. So uh, those look like three wins on, on paper for sure. I think UNC will be favored at all of them, even Miami uh, down there in Coral Gables, and then a, a very tough home game on a Monday night against Virginia Tech. I think four games is a good a good distance to look away. And I think, you know, if they are 2-0 and after – Tuesday night in, in Raleigh, they they could be um, five and zero in the ACC, heading uh, against Virginia Tech, which, which should be a top fifteen team there, and that's another big time prime time matchup on ESPN for UNC. And so I think um, I think right now the ESP, uh, the ACC has five teams in the top fifteen, which is incredible. But I do think it's a little top heavy. Um, many of the teams I've already mentioned and Wake Forest and Georgia Tech are not very good. Um, so there's gonna be some definitely some easy wins uh, when you get into more of the girth of the schedule there. But uh, yeah, I mean, you get things rolling here and all of a sudden you're five and in the ACC and, and looking pretty with some some tough uh, matchups down the line. We've talked a lot about in recent years about how how brutal the ACC schedule has been for UNC, particularly down the stretch. They do have some tough games down the stretch this year, but but Ross, you you touched on a key point there. Uh, when you talk about the best teams in this league, right? What we're talking about: Duke, obviously, Virginia, obviously, Virginia Tech's had a great year. Uh, Florida State's playing very well, and then you've got you know, Syracuse has played pretty good. Well, if you look at North Carolina's schedule, how do those games shape up? Well, they only play Virginia once. That game's in Chapel Hill. They only play Florida State once. That game's in Chapel Hill. They only play Syracuse once. That game's in Chapel Hill. Uh, and so it, it really does set up well. But what that means is in order for that to to really work in your favor, you have to capitalize with some of these away games. And that's one of the reasons the state game is so important because I agree with Ross. North Carolina should be able to win that Miami game. Uh, we know that they struggle for whatever reason in Atlanta, uh, but that's a game they should win. At Louisville is going to be tough. Uh you know, at Duke, of course, will be tough. And then at Clemson, they're late, will be another tough one. But if you can steal some of these against you know, good opponents, but maybe not the elite, like an NC State and a Miami, uh, that really puts you in position where if you can capitalize at home, you really move up the standings very quick without having to play an you know, uh, incredibly tough schedule. And as I said, we've talked a lot in recent years about how North Carolina just doesn't catch any breaks. And part of that is, you know, they have to play Duke twice every single year, just like Duke has to play Carolina twice every year. Uh, but beyond that, you know, it feels like we've gone up to Charlottesville a lot in recent years, as well as having to play at Syracuse, at Florida State. And so you get some uh, some nice rolls of the dice there. And definitely beating uh, a state team on the road, getting those ACC road wins are, are huge. And early in the season, kind of catching a, a road ACC win, it can play dividends later on. Yeah, I mean, it's just you bank away games. They've already banked the pit game. But, Greg, to your point, I don't think I've seen, and and I don't want to say easy because the ACC is overall brutal, but I don't think I've seen an easier ACC schedule for North Carolina, maybe 
ever. Certainly not since, well, ever. Because, I mean, it used to be you played everybody twice, home and home. But like you mentioned, all the teams they get at home, they also get Virginia Tech at home and don't have to go there. But yep. the away games for this North Carolina team, at Pitt, at State, at Miami, at Georgia Tech, at Louisville, at Wake, and at Duke. I mean, that's an incredibly, uh, if you can call an ACC schedule easy, that's an incredible easy ACC schedule for a team like North Carolina. Yeah, and you know, I think we can all agree at this point in time, uh, North Carolina has, they've got a lot to work on to get better and kind of get to the level where we can really talk about them as a Final Four team. And I don't think they're quite at that point yet. Uh, but, you know, when a win tomorrow night against NC State will help in that regard, depending on how they play. But with them kind of filling their way al- along, when you talk about, you know, NC State next, but then you got Louisville at home, you got Notre Dame at home, then you're at Miami, that gives you a couple extra games to really work some things out. And there comes a point in time where it's really too late to try to make significant growth. But I think this team is, is showing some progress. If they can, you know, keep that energy level up, that that'll allow them to kind of capitalize on this. So yeah, I agree that you know if, if this is one of those elite North Carolina teams, uh, they could run through this thing fairly easy. Um, it's going to be tough because there are some very good teams in the ACC, uh, but I do feel like maybe some of the the bottom teams, maybe in the lower half, uh, maybe aren't as good as as some of the teams that have been there in, in recent years. Yeah, that Texas game gives people pause because I don't think Texas is very good. But I said it before right. they played Texas. When Carolina beats Texas, I think they've beaten Texas for some it's reason. Like, it's like Pitt and Carolina in football, right? Yeah, it's weird. And it doesn't matter who's coaching, which team. But let's wrap this show, Ross, and we'll come to you quick. Two keys to this ball game: North Carolina versus North Carolina State. <laughs> I think uh... – what, two out of uh, out of the three seniors, uh, Cameron Johnson, Kenny Williams, Luke May, two of them have to hit, you know, a couple threes in the first half to kind of get things going, silence the crowd, and, and not let State get out to any sort of lead. So you need a couple threes from those two guys. I think that's getting some shots in the first half is big, seeing the ball go through the hoop. And then I think um, – rebounding i think not allowing state any any second chance opportunities they're scrappy they crash the boards um it, it letting them get back in the game by having having second and third shot opportunities is huge so to control the defensive boards really take advantage of the size advantage they do have with luke may and garrison brooks and, and even a Nasir little cameron johnson on the floor at the same time so utilizing that height and winning the defensive rebounding um advantage there i think like in most games, is big. But I think against State, it plays a lot more importance in just kind of controlling the glass and limiting uh, State's uh, offensive chances. Greg, you're up. I, I think Ross is exactly right. that This is Boom. this has got to be a senior game. Uh, this has got to be a game that, that Cam and Luke and Kenny set the tone. Because with it being a track meet, Kobe's going to score. Nasir's going to score. Nasir's going to have some crazy dunk. Um, and so those things are coming. So if you can set the stage with with having solid play from from Kenny, even if he doesn't score, right? I mean, if he's if he's doing good things defensively and and making those hustle plays like he's uh, he's been doing, and then you get some good points out of Cam and Luke, 
that takes a lot of pressure off the entire team, and that allows Kobe and Nas to really settle down. Uh, and then with it being a wide-open affair, you know, that's where those two guys are so dangerous. And so I think at that point in time, it comes you know, kind of a snowball effect. Uh, but, yeah, the other part, I, I do think you know, trying to figure out how you can best limit Dremel penetration. Uh, Roy, eh, I don't want to say he was coy on Monday, uh, but he did say that one of the main reasons they played so much zone against Pitt was because of foul trouble, which which I believe. But he also said that they've probably practiced zone more this year than they have in recent years. And so I, I think we, we're going to see that at some point where he's going to play that zone uh, with the, the solid intent of stopping dribble penetration. Uh, this may be that game. This may not be that game. But it wouldn't surprise me if, if Markel Johnson and some of these wings for State if they have success getting into the paint, the North Carolina will throw that zone out, maybe not for like an entire five-minute period, but you know, here and there to kind of try to trick them up. Uh, but I think that's going to be key because if State can get going and they're able to get into the lane and kick out for open shots, that's going to be a long night for the Tar Heels. Yeah, I think if you play zone, you still got to guard your man on the perimeter uh, or they make the zone look silly. I'm going to go with um, finish defensive possessions. That means get the rebounds after you've played solid defense. I think Carolina needs to play one of their better defensive games of the season, if not the best. And I think uh, guys like B-Rob and Seventh and Leakey, um, you know, I don't really want to throw Nas into that because he plays more than those guys. But I think those guys need to be a plus. We've seen them be um, plus against, you know, Tier 2 and Tier 3 teams. They need to be – plus against a mid to upper level ACC team, which I think NC State is, no matter what folks say about their schedule, especially over there in PNC. But I think if those guys do that, then Carolina will win the ball game. Ross, Greg, I'm sure we'll meet up at some point down the road and talk about it, but I appreciate you guys taking the chance or taking the opportunity to talk tonight. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, Tommy. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com the independent voice of UNC sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.